and welcome to episode six of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And here we're, we're here today to talk about modern, give everyone a little intro into the format. Yep. Uh, but first, you know, you gotta tell you guys where to find us. Uh, we're actually putting out useful stuff now. We are. So I just, uh, on Twitter at Casual Tripod. On uh, Facebook at Casual Try Hard MTG. We just put out um, the the sideboarding guide. So basically, it's a, a, a Google Doc that you can mm-hmm. copy, and then you can use it to fill in uh, what your plan is against each of your opponents, what mm-hmm. cards you want to have come in, what cards you want to take out, and then what you think they're going to bring in and take out. And you can kind of figure that out based on looking at like you know deck lists and be like, well, these are the cards that th- this deck sideboards. This is how I'd expect them to sideboard against me. You can also look at... Um articles that like some of the pros write they'll do like an article on even if it's a deck that you're not playing if it's a deck that you're expecting to see when you go to a tournament sometimes they'll have sideboard guides in there just look for the section that's whatever deck you're going to play and you can see what the pros suggest they bring in against you so it gives you an idea of exactly what what 60 you're going to play against yep and it's good to kind of remind yourself like oh they're not going to have their shocks in against me so i can play some two pot. I can leave my thief of sanity because right. they're not going to have their shocks. Yep. Right. So we have that, and then uh, to help us and to help yourself with the the arena best of uh, the arena meta game. So I've sent sent out the spreadsheet uh, for this week. Mm-hmm. There's two of them. There's one for arena best of one, and there's one for arena best of three. Yep. And you can go in there and just edit the document and put your your results in. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the week, I'll combine that with the data from the team, and that'll give us hopefully more data points for making the meta. If you have any questions with how the spreadsheet works or if you're interested in helping us out with some of this, um, you can shoot us an email or get a hold of us. at Tweet at us or Facebook. Again, email casualtryhardmtg at Gmail. And if you just want to use it to, like, track how you do it, Mm FNM, right, just copy it. Like into your own Google Doc mm-hmm. or I guess Google Sheet, and uh, you can just use it to track how you're doing with a deck in a given season. Like change some, change some headers, and then you yep. kind of have your own thing. Yeah, the spreadsheet set up so it calculates um, like percentage of meta game and win rate percentages and all that for you. So once you put the data in at the bottom of the sheet, it'll say, you know, what percentage of the meta was mono red or what percentage was salty. And then it'll have like your win percentage built in there also. Yeah, so, so if if you're just using it for yourself, it has your win your win rate per like session. Mm-hmm. So like if you're like Tuesday at three o'clock, I played ten games. It'll calculate your win rate at the end, and then it will calculate your win rate for arena at least for each uh for each level. So it'll calculate your win rate for gold, mm-hmm. platinum, diamond. So it's a good tool. Uh, it's, I think, easier than doing the... Martin, you had a tweet where if you go into the into the matrix of, of your computer... Yeah, I couldn't figure that out. I tried doing it. I couldn't figure it out. The trick is that... So, if you don't know, uh, all apps in Windows have to track data. Mm-hmm. And so, Arena is tracking your, tracking your, your win-loss rate for each season. Okay. So... Uh, you can go through a set of like folders to get to it. The easy thing to do is you have to turn on, you have to make hidden folders viewable. Mm-hmm. 
once hidden folders are viewable, if you just go into the search, like in like your C drive or maybe just in like the, you know, the little master yep, Windows search menu. thing. Yeah. And you put in local low, all one word. It brings up a set of folders and like, oh, for me, I only have like really like arena and crap that came with my computer, my computer. Like the first thing that comes up is the arena uh, folder. If you click on that and open it, there's a, there's a, a, a notepad uh, file that is like, I think it's just like data. Mm-hmm. I think it's what it's called. If you open it up and you just like go like edit, find, and then constructed, it'll take you down to your constructed win rate. Hmm. So for me, when I looked at it, like, I guess four or five days ago, I was 149 and like 128 for season two. Yeah. Uh, now, being only 20 games over 500 makes no sense considering I went from gold, gold four to diamond four in like a week. Yeah, that's strange. I don't know, like, if I was just a total trash fire in, like, gold four and just kept losing at, like, the very bottom where you yeah, can't fall you can't out. can't go back anymore. Because, like, I know I have to be plus 48. Yeah. Uh, so, hmm. anyway, it has that in there. You can also, if you then just search for, like, uh, I think it's limited or draft. I think it's limited. It'll take you to your limited rating. And if you search for the word vault, mm-hmm. it'll show you your vault progress even if... Um, you uh, even if it's not showing it on your actual game, it, yeah. it'll show you it's it's hidden in there, so it knows what it's at. Hmm. So I gave Anthony the uh, the the text instructions. Yeah. He was like, "I can't get this to work," <laughs> and I was like, "Make files unhidden. Look for this thing." So hopefully he'll get back to me and let me know if my instructions work because it's basically what I. Told you, because, like, Martin Yuzo was, like, go to, like, C slash thing yeah. slash thing, and you've got to, like, if you can't see your hidden folders, you can't find it. Well, he had linked the, the tweet that I saw. He had linked a tool. So someone, like tweeted, to someone tweeted a tool at him. Oh, okay. Like, MTJ Arena Tracker or something. Yeah, I tried using it. I couldn't figure it out. I didn't mess with it. I was like, well, I'm not going to. I'm an old man. I don't yeah. want to put, like, some, like, random internet program on my computer. Like, so I was like, eh, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'll just, like, work my way through the Matrix. Yeah. See, just... I'm also an old man, and I didn't, I wasn't confident enough in myself to navigate the crazy string of whatever had to be done. So I was like, this looks like I can click on it. <laughs> I'll, sh- I'll show you on mine after the pod. We'll, see, right. we can, we'll see if we can figure it out. So, anyway, so we have those things that yep. can help you kind of track how you're doing. Right. Over the course of like, if you just have it mm-hmm. and like over the course of like a standard, if you're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to play this deck a lot. I want to see what my win rate is. Yep. It's, you can follow uh, that. it's also important. We update these sheets weekly so that we have relevant data to talk about on the show. Um, it's also important when you're making changes to your deck. Like that's why we're collecting this data is so that, you know, over a period of time, if all we're playing against is, you know, 30% mono red, we know that we are probably going to have to skew our deck a little bit mm-hmm. to fight aggro. And, like, there's all these tweets that come out that mm-hmm. are like, oh, hey, I went, like, from, you know, from gold uh, to mythic playing gruel. Yeah. And gruel seems like the new hotness. I have played against, like, two gruel decks. Yeah, I think I saw two. So, like, it might be the new hotness on Twitter or it might be the new hotness in mythic. Yeah. But 
we haven't got there yet. Like it's not a thing that people are that mm-hmm. I'm seeing. Yep. Now that might change. I did cheat and take a, a Saturday off to to play some singleton to get <laughs> off the ladder and just like relax. Yeah. Get some galtas. Did you get your galtas? I got three. I got three, and then uh, the metagame changed come Sunday. Yeah. I was playing all these, like, against all these, like, slow, three-color, like, battleship decks that uh, end race four runners. Yeah. Just houses. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Uh, Prime Speaker, Vonifer, sack my uh, Palaka Worm, put, like, 48 power on board, attack you. Like, oh, you were at 20, you're now at, like, negative 15. Great, yeah. I win. And then it was just, like... People playing, like, I lost to two turn three gutter snipes. Oh. Like, gutter snipe, I got gutter sniped into Curious Obsession. Great. And then just could, it was, I was playing against mono blue effectively, because I could yeah. then not ever stick a, a threat. Yeah. While like, getting punished through the gutter snipe. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, this is awful. I was like, oh, I can totally beat this, and then just never got to stick a spell. I was yeah. like, so... Saturday night was, like, fun and relaxing, and you got to, like, do big stuff. And then Sunday, I was like, I need one more Mm 5-1. Could not put it together. (laughs) I got, like, I went, like, 4-0 and then, like, lose-lose. And I was like, oh, come on. So, anyway. Yeah, I didn't didn't actually go for my Galtas. All I wanted was the Duresses. I didn't care about Singleton that much. So I played one round of four different Singleton events and got my Duresses with an aggro deck, and that was it. Yeah, I didn't know how many Galtas I had, and then I went and looked. I already had three of the regular ones, so I now have six Galtas. I was, like, I was like, wow, I wish I would have looked at this. Maybe it would have like, maybe it'd be Mythic right now if I yeah. just played on ladder. <laughs> All right, so that's kind of new cool stuff to, to, to yep. look at for us and to yep. help us out and like be part of the pod. Yep, check out our tools. Uh, so, okay, we're going to do metagame hot takes again. Yep. Uh so we had uh, a tournament that no one knew about, uh, GP Memphis. Yeah. Uh, I guess there was text coverage. It seemed so-so. and I really miss actual GP coverage. Yeah. And like, it's weird. I didn't think I'd miss it as much as I do. Yeah, it's like, you just have no... It's so much harder to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Right? Like, you have the arena metagame, but it's so skewed and focused on, like, best well, of one. And all over the place, too. Yeah. It's everywhere, but then it's just like, well, what? Well, no, I meant the meta is all over the oh, place. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Like, it's yeah. not, you can't pin it, you can't pin it down like you kind of paper meta yeah. game. So, uh, we're not going to go through the whole thing, but mm-hmm. kind of what we talked about before uh, last week that, again, there are kind of like four decks that make up the bulk of, maybe five, yep. the bulk of the, of the day two metagame, which is easier to get a hold of. So. Uh, not only is it easier to get a hold of, but it's important because it's decks that converted well. It's yeah. decks that did well, um, and because they're doing better, they're more relevant. Yeah. So the results high mid range, which is almost twenty percent of the day two meta game. Yeah, it's a pretty big chunk. That is, yeah, and that's. It's not to the point where it's a problem, but twenty percent starts to like when it gets like to like thirty is when people is like. Uh... See, 20's fine though. Like I don't, I don't know that a deck like this can be a problem though. True, it actually like both people play Magic. Right. Yeah. So then Mono Blue, which is whose main job is to eat Sultai. Yep. Uh, was fifteen percent of the meta game. Yep. Eating Sultai. Eating Sultai. Esper Control uh, was twelve percent. Yep. 
Azorius Aggro, whose job is to eat mono blue, yep. was 10%. Yep. And Azorius Aggro is basically mono white. Yeah, so it's mono white, and they have... Blue sideboard cards. Yeah, negate. Yep. Dovin Bond sometimes. Disdainful Stroke, yep. and like, uh, Deputy Detention. Deputy Detention, yep. Right, and then kind of the next deck after that was Is It Drake's. Yep, at 8%. And Is It Drake's job is to eat mono blue and to eat Saltai. Uh, so before I started recording, I said this format feels a lot like modern. Yeah. And yeah, my feeling there is like there's a lot of games that are one on the deck red sheet and not one at the table. Okay. Right. There's right. If you sit down against and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but if you mm-hmm. sit down against Tron. Yeah. And you go mountain goblin guide mm-hmm. Tron's. 20% to win that game. Right. But if it, you go uh, Blood Crypt, Thought Seize. Tron might be doing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> or if you play like a Tap Celestial Colonnade, they're like, yeah. oh, okay. You're never going to kill me. And I'm just going to eventually stick something that kills you. Yeah. Right. So, like, I feel like there's a lot of like rock, paper, scissory kind of matchups. Yeah. Now, it's not as swingy as modern, like on the sideboard side of things, but it's a lot of like. Oh, you went basic forest. Mm-hmm. I go basic island storm chaser. Yeah, and you can't win. Yeah, S- siren storm tamer. It's like, yeah. oh, I, you're, you know, you're thirty percent to win this game now. Like, yeah. you have to hope I like have a non-functional hand. Um, all formats kind of evolve into that, though, or most formats. Most do. formats, but not. I don't know these. This with, I guess, with like seems like more pronounced. Okay. Uh, I mean, I was listening to uh, uh, the Cedric Phillip podcast, and mm-hmm. he was talking to Corey Baumeister, mm-hmm. who was like, oh, yeah, like, I thought Mono Red was a good choice for a tournament last week, because Mono Blue, like, Mono White has a hard time with Sultai, but Mono Blue just took care of Sultai. Yeah. So now, like, this is this is what you have to fight against. Yeah. And... Right, it's the same kind of thing like in modern, where something comes up for a while, yeah, it gets pushed back down, and it getting pushed down brings something else to the top. Well, it's kind of like what we were just talking about like an hour ago, uh, where I was telling you about the latest uh, modern Mox data. Yeah, where uh, if you don't know, Brian's a big Dredge fan, and uh, all things unfair, please. Yeah, the uh, top eight from this past weekend's Mox challenge on Magic Online had. Third, fourth, fifth, and sixth were all dredge, and usually the only time that happens is when people don't bring graveyard hate. When they forgot about dredge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a good reference. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, so like, and so next week people are gonna be playing dredge hate. Yeah. And dredge will be less good. Yep. And like, I again, I think we've said this before. Like, I like a standard where you can like lean into a deck and get with it. Yeah. And this feels like a standard where you're going to have to, like, chase to some degree. Where you're going to have to be like, oh, Mono Blue did really well. So people are going to play Mono White. So then I've got to try to get the level above them. And it's it's not um, I don't know that I super agree with you there. Okay. Um, I think that all of these archetypes are diverse enough that you can lean into them. And gain percentage points by being good with the deck. True, but like, like having played Drake's last season, yeah, right, like basic planes, one drop, 
like not unwinnable, but real hard. Yeah, and I mean, I get what you're saying about like the matchup roulette, but like these decks are very interactive. Like it's not like they're it's not like modern where you're kind of pigeonholed into a strategy and that's all you can do. So you have to play the matchup roulette. Like all of these decks can have game against the rest of them. Kind of with the exception of Drake's, I guess. Yeah, but I just, I don't know. My my feeling is, like, I think there's a lot of, like, if you went to, a, I guess, an MCQ now? Yeah. Whatever the hell they're called. Uh, right? Like, you could be really good with Mono Blue mm-hmm. and just sit down against All mono Planes. White. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm 30% to win all yeah. these matches, or 40%. Yeah. Right? Or you'd be, like, you'd be great with Sultai... And just see, like, you know, Drake's or Mono Blue, and you're just like, wow, like, I drove an hour and a half to lose. Like, lose. Yeah. And the same thing happens in modern sometimes, where you yeah. just, you're like, oh, I played against, like, the guy who had rest in peace mainboard. <laughs> I drove to Charlotte and lost round two <laughs> to the guy who had rest in peace mainboard because he, tr- he gave his, he let his friend borrow EEs. Yeah. Because he, so he didn't have to pay for his hotel. Yep. So he's like, what can I put in? <laughs> oh. Rest in peace. Oh, he was like, oh, you're on dredge. Rest. I was like, oh, <laughs> we're done here. Yep. Pack it up, boys. <laughs> like, all right. I'm going to try. Golgari Thug won you. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, so anyway, uh, so we have our metagame breakdown, but this yep. might all be uh, worthless come it's Friday not all going to be for not i mean the the meta game is going to be the meta game the numbers just might change some so i think we're uh, to a point in the format where there's not going to be like a brand new archetype that's going to surprise not everybody super crazy but uh this weekend is the pro tour or what was formerly known as the pro tour it is now a mythic championship yep. that happens at a magic fest it does yeah so uh, there will be coverage though, so which is amazing. Yeah, that's exciting. So if you guys want to see people play Magic, go yeah. on Twitch and yeah. there'll be people playing like Paper Magic <laughs> for the first time in like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not like they're trying to sell cards or anything. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Um, so the the Mythic Championship does usually two things to a format. It's, they're later than they used to be. Yep. Um, but they kind of does two things. One. It, like, finds the best deck for kind of that snapshot yep. of of whatever's going on. And two, it takes decks that might be rough around the edges. Polishes them. Yeah, and just finds the absolute, like, best version, again, for probably, like, a two-week period. Yep. Um, um, these changes tend to, like, linger, though. Yeah. So... Like, we're, what we're talking about by, like, the best deck for a two-week period is, like, we're talking about, like, single percentage points for a very large event, not, you know, what you're going to run into at FNM or if you go play, you know, what used to be a PPTQ. We're not talking about, like, that level. We're talking about, you know, single-digit percentage points against a field for a very specific metagame. So, for example, last last uh pro tour when there's still pro tours right the mono white deck that ended up putting a lot of people in the top eight yeah that deck did not exist two weeks before Mm -hmm. it showed up on like magic online yeah and then there were like two or three different versions that got played at the pro tour and it was 
really good for that metagame. Uh, there were teams that had Saltai that thought Saltai was great against it because... Yeah. They started putting Wild Growth Walkers and four Wild Growth Walkers in the Explore package yeah. in all those Saltai decks, and it made them really good against White. So that like all happened in like a week. But mm-hmm. then the, those decks in Saltai with the Explore pack or Golgar with the Explore yeah. package just kind of stayed in the format. Yeah. And like the last deck that kind of came in the format was Drake's mm-hmm. as like a, a big player. Like right. he got one made top eight. It was Yuya. Mm-hmm. But, like, for the most part, that deck didn't really get its legs under it until, it like, till December. But the rest of the metagame was there. Yeah. And that was all built in, From, that, in that Pro Tour yeah. week. Um, so, um, so, a lot of the decks that, you know, that might be on the fringes, they might get worked out to be a really good version that... Yeah. But the, I think the difference from a lot of... This is the first arena pro tour in terms of the first pro tour that has everyone and their brother playing arena yeah. 24 hours a day. Yeah. So there might be less room for like it's not going to be it's gonna be very hard for a team to break it. Yeah. So if you don't know, if you're not like into the process of what these pros go through before the pro tour, um, most of them are on a team uh, ranging anywhere from you know, four or five guys to like 12 guys and they will literally lock themselves in a house for two weeks leading up to the pro tour. And this is all they do is they will develop what they feel the best deck for the current metagame is and then develop a deck to beat it and then develop that deck and then develop a deck to beat it. And then after two weeks of, you know, 10 people, 10 professional players doing this, they will usually all register. They'll have a team deck. Yeah, the same deck. You know, there might be a couple outliers, but for the most part, they all register a very similar deck. Sometimes 75 of the exact same cards crossed yep. an entire team. Yep. There might be one person who's like, I only play control. Yep. And so I'm playing control, but it's almost everyone. Yeah. So it really gets like refined mm-hmm. and uh, really kind of figured out. Yep. Uh, so. Uh, we were having here that, like, we don't think we have the best version of Saltai yet. Um, well, decks like that um, tend to have a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have a big team like that working on a deck, it can be pretty difficult to kind of hone in on those moving parts and figure out exactly what they have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, those moving parts can change based on whatever the metagame at the time is. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times in the Pro Tour, these decks that have a lot of moving parts, especially like the mid-rangey decks, they tend to get ironed out at the Pro Tour. That's when those decks kind of get set in place for the, the rest of the meta. Yeah. Um, so we have in here, we might have the best version of Rakdos, but uh, Rakdos top eight in an SCG and it the same did. guy won the Memphis tournament. I was watching it on stream today. And just watching someone draw three cards off of Rick's Body Reveler, I was like, oh, that feels real good. <laughs> that feels real good. Yeah. It's so, 2 that drew you three cards? Like, that's great. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for uh, what Rakdos may do this weekend. That's yeah. been been the deck that I have been working on. I, I may own 12 Rick's Body Revelers <laughs> and four in foils, so we'll see. Yeah, I've got my foils coming. All right. Uh, so this kind of ties into Arena, and we'll talk about touching it again, but... 
I don't know how long Nexus is for this world post Pro Tour. You really think it's gonna gonna get the X in paper? I'm not the only one. Yeah. Uh, so again, uh, consuming consuming media, so you guys yeah. don't have to. Uh, the Pro Points podcast. So that's uh, Mike Sigris, Sam Black, and um, uh, uh, yeah, Paulo Vitor Domnerosa are all of seemingly of the mindset that you uh, really couldn't ban it two weeks before the Pro Tour. But uh, uh, banning it now to get it to like make best of one a more palatable place, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they feel like it should get banned after the Pro Tour. Same with, I think it was Corey Baumeister or Corey Burkhart, someone named Corey. Uh, that was, <laughs> one of the Corys. That was talking to Cedric Phillips that was like, you ban it now so everyone who's like pre- prepping for the Mythic Invitational doesn't waste two weeks making the best nexus deck yeah then after the pro tour you can ban nexus kind of everywhere yeah to make arena best of one best of three and paper best of three all, all the, the same. same but you can't ban it now the same black process if you can't like say hey after the pro tour we ban nexus because no one's gonna want to watch right nexus decks on coverage because like well i can't play this deck yeah right so you trick them and you're like you can play this deck <laughs> and then after you're like no you, you can't, can't play this you deck can't play this deck <laughs> so there's a chance it could get banned in paper just to like kind of make all versions of magic that are getting played the same yeah i mean that's kind of a valid point and i think that's the only reason it yeah. might get banned in paper yeah the ban as they said in in the in the article wasn't for power level yeah because post board counter spells are a thing yeah and but uh you know it is kind of just a miserable kind of play experience yeah and you know it is hard if you're introducing people to the game in best of one yeah and they sit down against a Nexus player, and, and the Nexus never play- player takes a two-hour turn. Yeah, and like, well, yeah, they show up to their F and M, and they've never played against a deck because they've only been jamming best of one. They yeah. might not even have a sideboard oh, yeah, because gotcha. they're just jamming best of ones. Yeah, because that's how the quick, fun way to play is. Yeah, and you show up, and you're like, "What? What fresh hell is this? Like, yeah. I don't want to come back and do this. Like, someone took like eighty-five turns and." Yeah. Right, the fact that Nexus sometimes is like triple explore, put three counter, put three uh, loyalty counters on your planeswalker, yeah, is a bit, of, <laughs> a bit of a thing <laughs> that like you're just like, oh, how'd your game go? Well, he untapped on turn five, and then I watched him for a while, and I mean that's kind of my problem with Storm also, but that's that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, but you watch Storm, and then Storm either like kills you. Or they fizzle and you get to play again. Yeah. This, like, they don't ever really kill you. Yeah. You just get sick of watching them and concede. Yeah. Though uh, the Simic people are like, I played yes. three Throat Mystics and two uh, Hydroid Crises, so I have a way to kill you. Well, I, I, like, if if the deck doesn't get, or if Nexus doesn't get banned, I do kind of like the Simic version of yeah. that deck. That was what Cory Baumeister was on in Memphis, was yeah. the Simic version. And he said it was it was better. He said it, it had a uh, Aetherworks Marvel feel. Yeah. And I was like, 
Maybe I should buy some Nexuses. <laughs> like, I was like, ooh, Etherworks Marvel, go on. I'm all about, like, playing a four-mana do-nothing then lets me win the game. Uh, ooh. So, anyway. Uh, and then, in that same vein of... Uh, of you know, best versions of decks. Best versions of decks. Yeah. Like, there's probably going to be a best version of Nexus, which could yeah. be short-lived or yeah. be, like, a terror that we had to deal with for six months. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and there's probably not a lot of room to make uh, mono blue uh, poopers for RPG audience. Yeah. Uh, we don't have we don't have the explicit label yet. Yeah, I think that deck's pretty well set in stone. Yeah, I I think like the flex spots are like how many quenches do you want to play? Well, I don't even think they're on quenches anymore, right? Quench like filled a role until they found um... essence capture. No. Yeah, essence whatever. Essence capture. Yeah. Yeah. But like some people play like a. Th- three one split or yeah. like so it, it depends so like there's very little room there mono red is kind of a burn deck that doesn't have a sideboard yeah so it's good and best of one though like i did hear someone say uh, i think it was paulo was like why don't we just play lightning mare like then it can just <laughs> never lose to mono blue you just like stick a lightning mare turn two against mono blue and you win ride every it. game literally ride that horse and win the game three you are you gonna draw some cards doesn't matter three, three you again you. i'm gonna play another one three you six you now uh, mono white is there's a little bit of play in mono white like people are cutting histories for the unbreakable formations no, I don't like that. I don't know if History I like History is the best card in that deck. I know, but there are people, they're like now like playing these 16 one drop, four Loxodon. Oh, man. Benelish Marshall, Tithe Takers. I do like Tithe Taker in that deck. They're not playing, they're not playing Adanto Vanguards as much as well yeah. for t- the Tithe Takers because Tithe Taker punishes Esper yeah. control. Um, because like not being able to settle on turn four and having yeah. to settle on turn five is a different ballgame. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that deck seems pretty well figured out. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know what we can change in Gates. Yeah, I think Gates is pretty much what it is. I don't think there's much room yeah, left Yeah, I think, I think it's... Like, like, I think that deck was the innovation. Like, the innovation was that that deck exists. Yeah. And again, that deck, that deck like, wants you to play a basic forest. Yeah. Or basic... Or your second basic mountain into treasure map. Yeah. And it feels pretty all right, but if you're like <laughs> Island uh, uh, Miss Cloak Herald or like that guy is called, like yeah. no, yeah. no, we're we're in a world of hurt. I'm trying to resolve four mana spells here, <laughs> and I'm never going to. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of like what's going on in like standard right now. Yeah. The uh, standard meta game, I guess. Uh, quick hot takes are expect everything to change this weekend, yes. or everything to stay exactly the same this weekend. One yeah. of the two. One of the two. It's yeah. gonna. See, you're gonna be like, oh, these are they were the five decks before, they're the five decks after, yep. or there's gonna be something crazy that pops up. Yep. You're be like, oh, this this was the deck. Yep. All right. So, uh, we're gonna talk to to modern. We are. We're gonna dip our toes in a little bit. Just kind of let you know what the format is. Yep. I think someone came up with like maybe leveling the field as these kind of like or leveling the playing field. Yeah. Uh, uh, kind of sections here. So what what's modern? What what are, what are we looking at? So modern is a non-rotating format that goes back. I believe it starts at eighth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, it has its own separate ban list, different from standard, different from legacy. Um, 
one of the key features of modern is the uh, air quotes perfect mana base. Um, fetch lands and shock lands play a big part of that. Um, they let decks be very consistent, um, even though you're kind of dealing damage to yourself. Um, you can get away with a little bit more because your mana is very good. I think another thing that like the hallmark of modern is a lot of the decks are very focused and linear. They do um, one thing very well, oftentimes. Yeah, that's more true lately than like how the format used to be. Yeah, I think like in the last year or two, the format uh, went from being kind of having some kind of like mid rangey yeah. general decks to some very focused, yeah. powerful. Like I do this one thing, I do it really well. Yep. And you have three to four turns to stop me from doing my thing. Yep. Or I dead you. Yep. Right. The, the metagame is fairly similar. There's some churn, but for the most part, if you looked at like, you know, the top 40 decks in Modern from two years ago and now 30 or 35 of them are probably still yep. there out of the top 40 or whatever. So yep. they don't really, some things show up, yep. some things go away, but for the most part, they're all kind of still there. Yeah, decks don't don't typically ever just go away short of a banning mm -hmm. um decks will exist in some form or another basically forever yeah and part of that is like people like attach themselves to a deck yeah right and you're like i'm the person who plays the rock black mm -hmm. green yep i'm going to play the rock mm -hmm. till i die well it's kind of a kind of a hallmark of, of the format of non-rotating formats yeah is you know you you get good enough with a deck that you gain percentage points with it because you're good with it, not because it's necessarily the best deck at that time. And there's also uh, the the barrier to entry, mm -hmm. right? Like if you've put together your modern deck, some of those decks are eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars or more, or more. Yeah. And so you're like, well, I have the rock together. Yeah. I will now just play the rock because I have the rock. Yeah, after you buy your $80 Verdant Catacombs and $100 Lilies. and Yeah, you're like, I have to play this now. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, is, this is who and what I am. Right? So it doesn't really change a whole lot. Yep. So uh, now the format, because of that, is really diverse. Mm -hmm. So yep. I went and looked at uh, MTG Goldfish, I think, Sunday. So... On the, I guess it was in the 7th, mm, the 17th yep. of February. And the largest, the number one deck in the format had right around 5% of the metagame share. Right. Uh, compare that to standard that we were just looking at. And the number one deck has about a 30% metagame share. It's, it was 20. It was 20%. Was it 20? It was, yeah, it was right around 20% for the day two. So you have, so you have a bunch of decks mm -hmm. that are spread out really far. Yeah. And if you, so if you wanted to like be, you know, to try to get like one kind of like what's the best deck right now, the 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 most represented deck is probably decks that have Arclight Phoenix. Yeah. And if you there's like three or four different versions, and that adding all those versions up gets you to just under ten percent. Yeah. So, you know. Same thing with modern is if you go to a nine round tournament, like statistically you may play Phoenix once. once. Maybe. Maybe. 
and then you may not play the same deck twice yep. the entire day. Mm-hmm. So the um, who was the last? I went to a modern GP without you guys. Oh, it was Atlanta. I went to GP Atlanta okay. this past year, and I stuck out all of day one. Um, even though I didn't do so great, I played all eight rounds. They are I think now, there were I think. eight rounds. Yeah. Um, I did not play the same deck twice. I played eight different archetypes. And that's pretty normal. Yeah. Um. So, I would say that another thing that modern does a lot is. So it's got a top, let's say, 15 to 30 decks. Mm-hmm. None of them are truly awful, right? So like I would say like most of the decks in that top 15 to 30 are somewhere between 45 and 55% against the field. Mm-hmm. Like you're like you mean like against the rest of against those top the rest 10 of, decks or yeah, whatever. Yeah, against like the rest yeah. of like the room. There are like there are few decks that are just like that someone's going to show up with and it's just going to be abysmal yeah now you you will see the person who's playing sphinx's tutelage <laughs> and uh pure seal paladin yeah uh i was having a bad day at gp a while back and i just heard this guy go yes i did it and he was at the in the 08 bracket <laughs> and he milled someone out with sphinx's tutelage and pure seal paladin Woo-hoo. He came there to do one thing, and, he did and it, it. Took, it took him nine rounds <laughs> to do it, but he did it. But for the most part, any deck that people will sleeve up, even if it's some like fringe deck, yeah, all the decks are relatively good. Mm-hmm. So, right, there's none of that are just truly awful. So yep. you have, so people will play a lot of different stuff because, like, well, I like Soul Sisters. And Soul Sisters is forty five percent against whatever random thing it sits down against. Yeah. Like it's worse. It's it's if you average all of its matchups together, it's forty five percent. So it's like, well, I could run hot and be fifty five or sixty percent, and like Maybe. day two this thing with Soul Sisters. So go ahead and live that dream, buddy. You, you can, <laughs> you can. I'm at a thousand life. You're also at ten poison. Uh, <laughs> would you like to proceed? <laughs> You're dead. Right. So we can't really sit down and talk about all the different decks. There's a lot of them. There's just too many. So what we decided to do instead is kind of talk about the pillars of the format, the cards that like that define archetypes. Yeah. Kind of like group everything together. Kind of building on like last week's episode where we told you about like what pillars of the format are. Um, we're going to kind of run through most of the big ones um, in modern. Um, now, I sat down and did this on Saturday, so most of it should be reasonably relevant yeah. uh, to actual current metagame. And and uh, well, our first one, apparently based on that Mox result, is yeah. very relevant. Yeah, and I'll let you talk about it because so it's your favorite. Is, <laughs> so this is uh, so our kind of our first uh, pillar is Faithless Looting. Yep. So if you don't know what that is, it's uh, the best card. It's one red, draw two, discard two, and it has flashback, which means you can cast it from your graveyard for two and a red, and you just do the same thing again, draw two, discard two. Yep. It uh, has been referred to as the modern brainstorm. Yes, because it lets you, in fairish, there are there was for a brief while a fairish for a deck that played this, and it would let you take two cards that were eh, and turn them into two cards that were just not them. Yeah. 
uh, kind of like Brainstorm lets you turn some eh cards into cards that aren't them. Right. Um, so, for the most part, Faithless Looting doesn't enable anything fair. Yeah. If anyone goes Mountain Faithless Looting, they are not looking to play a fair game. No, they're looking to kill you as quick as possible. Right. So, like... So this is mostly like graveyard-based decks or decks that have yes. strong graveyard interaction. Yeah. So there's Dredge. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one reanimator deck really in the format that tries to play Grizzlebrand on turn two. Yeah. Draw most of, if not all of, its deck. Uh, and then kill you by throwing lands at you. Yep. Uh, it's fun and interactive magic. Uh, it's Grizzlebrand, that deck. Uh kind of doesn't really exist anymore yeah but. It, it it's it's sex panther 50 percent of the time it works every time yeah like it just loses to itself yeah. so much unless you're uh, unless your son yeah yes <laughs> yes that's a, that's a deep cut for some old for some old timers there yeah um so the phoenix decks which i know some people argue aren't really graveyard decks but the phoenix decks right now right they want to put arc light phoenix in their graveyard yep. cast and spells bring it back and they do that with Faithless Looting. Yes, they put it in with Faithless Looting. Yeah. And then the the Hollow One uh, decks uh, that are that Hollow One five colorless mana for a 4-4 four, four, that has Cycling 2. And when you cycle a card, its casting cost goes down by 2. Uh, when you cycle or discard a card. Cycle or discard, I'm sorry. Cycle yeah. or discard is important. So these decks play a bunch of Faithless Lootings and other ways to discard cards. Yep. And then they make their hollow ones cost nothing. On turn one. And they'll play two four fours on turn one. Yep. And then that is the world you live in is now you've got to kill two four fours. On turn one. <laughs> on turn one. <laughs> and they're like, well, I did my thing. You have three turns. Yep. Like, Good luck. Oh. Ready, go. Okay. <laughs> uh, tap, land, go. All right, cool. We're doing yep. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so Faithless Looting lets modern decks do unfair things. Yep. So next we have creature decks. Yep. What's our um, creature deck card? Probably Noble Hierarch. Probably. Um, Noble Hierarch is arguably the best Lanowar Elf ever printed. It's the best creature ramp spell that exists in Magic. Um, what What does it do for the uninitiated? Oh, sorry. It is a. It costs one green. It is a zero one. It is a zero one. Um, with exalted. So exalted is whenever a creature attacks alone, it will get a plus one plus one until the end of the turn, mm-hmm. um, and then it taps for a green, a white, or a blue mana. What creature type is it? Uh, it's a human. It is a human. Yeah, it's important. That is important. <laughs> it is important for what's what's coming up. So, so noble is the kind of the hallmark of all the creature decks, fair yep. and unfair alike. Yep. So. We have our unfair creature decks, uh, which mm-hmm. are uh, Infect, yep. which wants to deal you 10 damage right. with an Infector. Yep. Not 20. Very, very quickly. Not just 10. Just 10. Usually, if unmolested, turn 3. Yeah. Turn 4 if they have to worry about you doing something. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, Vizier combo is the other unfair one, mm-hmm. where it's just looking to make all of the mana right away. Yeah. So, basically, they... Make a bunch of mana and then search through their deck for Walking Ballista yep. and make it giant and then shoot you a bunch. Yep. Uh, fair magic. Yep. And then our fair uh, creature decks. Yep. We have uh, Spirits and Humans both pretty much do the same thing. They're both very similar. 
just with kind of different creature types. They're both like an, um, they call it disruptive aggro, where they are applying a not super fast clock, but a quick clock. They're applying pressure um, while trying to prevent you from enacting your game plan. Yeah, you they have some number of hate bears, just yep. creatures that are 2-2 two, two ants that make it so you can't do something. Yep. And they all, because they're the same creature type, they all have synergies together. Yep. Because over the course of magic, we've printed random things that make spirits better with spirits and yep. humans better with humans. Yep. Turns out there's a lot of humans. Like, every plane has a human. Yeah. Uh, so, more kind of unfair decks mm-hmm. uh, are enabled by Ancient Stirrings, another yep. way to find pieces. Yep. So, Ancient Stirrings is a sorcery. Yep. Uh, one green mana. Yep. Um, lets you look at the top. Four? Five. Five. Even better than I thought it was. Uh, let you look at the top five cards of your deck and take any colorless card. So that includes colorless Eldrazi. It includes lands. It includes artifacts. A um, okay. whole bunch of different things it can tutor for. Uh, Planeswalkers. Big Karn, Little Karn, uh, That is true. Ugin. Big Karn, Little Karn, and Ugin are all, in fact, colorless. Right. So that enables... Uh, well, the kind of the the oldest archetype that, that kind of enables mm-hmm. is Tron. Yep. So Tron is is kind of a colloquial term for uh, the Urza lands. The Urza lands. So yep. Urza Tower, Urza Mine, Urza Power Plant. Individually, they each tap for one colorless mana. Mm-hmm. But if you have one of each, you've assembled Tron, and they tap for seven mana. Not each. Yeah. Together. Two, two, and three. Yeah. Uh, so a tower taps for three. The other yep. two tap for two. So Tron is trying to put together these three lands mm-hmm. and then play something that costs six or seven mana on yep. turn three. Yep. And it's usually Worm Coil Engine. Or Karn. Or Karn uh, Liberated. Yep. The big end. Right? And then if they have to go to turn three, then they can just play Ugin. Right. Or they can cast ten mana Ulamog. Yeah. Right, so they're just trying to play all the biggest, dumbest stuff mm-hmm. as fast as possible. Yep. Hopefully, you can't deal with it. Yeah, and uh, ancient stories lets them get their lands, mm-hmm. and it lets them if they have their lands, it lets them get their payoffs. Their payoffs. Um, it also lets them get pieces to find their lands. Yep. Lets them get uh, expedition map, mm-hmm. um, and it lets them get their removal because they play. Um, Oblivion Stone, right? Yes. And okay, we're, we're in it. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they cast their they cast their ancient stirrings. We say that it's green, and their yeah. lands make colorless lands. They have artifacts that sack for yep. colored mana. Yep. So that's how they're able to put all that together. Yep. So there's, uh, we should probably lump all these together. It's just like unfair, yeah, ish artifact decks. Sure. So there's KCI got banned, but someone found Ghetto KCI. What was the name of that card? Uh, semblance anvil that has that you made me a killing on you got them for three dollars and i looked at them they were nine dollars when i looked at them yeah, the I next think day 14 now it's like three mana for an artifact with imprint yep and when whatever you so imprint you exile a card under it yep. and then it says whatever's imprinted on this card whatever card type card is imprinted type. on this card costs two less to cast yep so it Instead of giving you mana, it just reduces the costs of all your things by yep. two. It's kind of backwards, KCI. Yeah. Um, and then, so 
Ancient Sirens lets you find that artifact and all the other artifacts you need for it. Yep. Lantern Control is a deck that just doesn't let you draw cards that matter. Yep. And it's all artifacts that put that together. Let's you find all of them. Were Prison. Uh, kind of the same deal. Yeah. It's a bunch of artifacts that don't let you play the game. And uh, Ancient Stirrings lets you find all of them. And then Hardened Scales Affinity is kind of a, a little unfair, but it's a an, an artifact like aggro deck. Yep ends up making giant walking ballistas and stuff and it needs to find its pieces yep and it relies on plus one plus one counters which hardened scales plays well with yep but ignis rings let it lets it find all of its artifact pieces yep which is most of the deck unless you're that burcini guy and unless you find your hardened scales uh, and then you don't get to play magic anymore that's right uh and then amulet titan is kind of outside this artifact thing it's kind of a land combo deck yeah um and Ancient Stirrings will let you find all of the specific lands you're looking for, as well as the namesake uh, Amulet of Vigor. Which, so, it plays the bounce lands from original Ravnica, which come into play tapped, and you have to return a land to your hand, but they tap for two mana of a guild color. Yep. Uh, Amulet of Vigor says whenever a permanent would come into play tapped, untap Untap it. it. So then all of your bounce lands come into play untapped, become untapped and then you can tap them for two mana yeah so you can get more mana than you're supposed to have way more mana earlier on in the, in the deck is built on getting to six mana on turn three mm-hmm. so you can play primeval titan and then through a convoluted uh, series of getting lands you can attack for all the damage yeah on turn three if you're yeah. feeling frisky it's great um very complicated deck though yeah yeah so then there's there's kind of where you where you want modern to be. Yeah, which is unfortunately our we're not here anymore. Um, I called these the Thought Seize decks. Um, that's kind of the one thing that they all share. Um, if you see a Thought Seize, you kind of know what you're up against. Um, but these are going to be all the fair decks. And the reason they play Thought Seize is kind of to keep people honest. Um, a lot of these other decks need specific moving parts to operate and if you can strip them from those moving parts a lot of times they won't operate um it's kind of i mean there's a uh there's a line to be drawn of similarities between thought seas and modern and kind of force of will and legacy yeah where they kind of keep police pe- yeah they keep people honest um but the fair decks in modern are going to be grix's death shadow um Despite you know playing one mana thirteen thirteens, um, the deck plays a pretty fair game. Um, John Dobson and Grixis are all looking to play a fair game, like a longer game. They want to play yeah. like removal and creatures. Yep. Um, Mardu Pyromancer wants to play a pretty fair game, and lately, kind of John Abzan and Grixis have gone away. Like they don't really exist in big numbers anymore. Uh, but Golgari Rock has kind of replaced them in the format as the mainstay mid-range fair deck. So, um, yeah, so these decks kind of, as as with kind of the next group, the control decks, mm-hmm. uh, they, because modern is so broad, yeah, they sometimes have a hard time because you can't be prepared for everything. Yeah. A lot of decks in modern demand very specific answers, and 
it's hard to have answers for everything. And if you don't have the right answer at the right time, it makes it difficult to play a long game. Yeah. And a lot of these decks will, will get you dead on turn four if you right. don't have that right answer at the right time. If you're like Tapland, Dark Confidant, yeah. three drops, it doesn't matter. You're just dead. Yeah. It's like, oh, I wish I would have drawn my other three drop. It would have been much better. <laughs> yeah. oh, I guess I'm dead now. Oh. Right. So then Cryptic Command is our other, um, um, is our next pillar. And that is um, uh, one blue, blue, blue for pick two things mm-hmm. counter a spell, draw a card, return a permanent to its owner's hand, and tap all of. All of an opponent's creatures, not yep. target opponent, so you can get around ley line. Yeah, just tap an <laughs> opponent's creatures. Um, and this is kind of the hallmark of the control decks. Yep. So this is blue white control, which is the purest kind of control deck. Mm-hmm. It plays uh, all your counter spells, your good removal. It plays uh, spreading seas as a way to fight like the land combo decks mm-hmm. like Tron. Um, in like Valakut, which we haven't talked about. Uh, uh, Grixis Control, which is the more aggro control deck that plays Lightning Bolt and Lightning Helix and Snapcaster, so it can pivot to being a burn deck. Grixis Control doesn't play uh, Lightning Helix. No, sorry, did I say Jeskai? Did I say Grixis or Jeskai? You said Grixis. Sorry, (laughs) Jeskai. Jeskai plays Lightning Helix, I'm sorry. Um, There is a... Very devoted following to Jeskai, and then mm-hmm. there is a, a group that will just say Jeskai is awful. <laughs> uh, you are on one side of this or the other, yeah. Uh, and then there's Grixis Control, and you can only print Grixis Control if your name is Corey Burkhart, he's the <laughs> sure. only human that can win with that deck. Uh, I don't even think he plays it anymore, yeah, but he's the only human that can win with that deck. So if you're like, I want to play Grixis cards, don't play yeah. Grixis Death Shadow, sure. Um, so and again, it suffer, these suffer from the same problems where they are they can be powerful, but they have to get to the late game. Yeah. And if things don't line up just right, if don't if you don't find the right answers, you're probably not going to make it to the late game. So. Right. The uh, next pillar is going to be Cavern of Souls, and these are going to be all of the tribal decks. So Cavern is a land that comes into play. Name a creature type. Yep. And if you. It taps for a colorless mana mm-hmm. or one mana of any color. And if you use that colored mana to cast a creature of the name type. Well, it, it only it taps, taps for, for colored mana, mana for, those creatures. for creatures of that type. Then it's uncount- that creature is uncounterable. Yep. Um, so this is going to be decks like elves, uh, merfolk, humans. Um, and spirits again. Yeah, and spirits. So they they all share a creature type. This yep. makes it so... Against right, if you're if you're on cryptic command and your opponent has a cavern of souls, like your cryptic command taps their dudes and draws you a card. Yeah, but they're gonna have a board presence, so it makes it, it that is a card that punishes control decks, and yep. they just go typically they go wide mm-hmm. and they kill you fast. Well, it also helps their fixing. A lot of these tribal decks are more than one color. Yeah, and humans and spirits especially. Yeah, well, humans, humans was five four, colors for four, a while. Yeah, five colors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we have uh, Chalice of the Void. Yeah, that's a fun magic card, isn't it? Uh, it would not be printed the way it is printed if it were if it remained now. So Chalice of the Void is XX for an artifact. 
Uh, it enters the battlefield with X counters on it. I don't know what kind of counters they are. Yeah. Awful counters. And um, if someone casts a spell with converted mana cost X, there's a trigger that goes on the stack from Chalice of the Void that counters that spell. Yep. So it is incumbent upon you to remember the triggers for your chalice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're like spaced out and you have a chalice on one and someone casts a lightning bolt, if you don't say chalice or counter it or trigger, lightning bolt resolves and you take three damage yep. or your creature dies. Whoops. Yeah. And you aren't allowed to forget your chalice trigger when you cast a spell. Right. So if you cast a one drop, it just has to get countered. You can't yeah. be like, oh, I forgot. It's like, no, no, you, it, it had to go to the trash can. Yeah, it's your card. Yeah, you have to remember it. So these are chalice decks are like were prison, which is just the pile of artifacts that doesn't yeah. even play the game. Well, they're basically all prison decks. They right? are. Eldrazi Tron's a little more. Well, I ag- mean, ag- ag- aggressive. Yeah, Eldrazi Tron will back it up with a clock, but it's yeah. still a prison deck. Yeah. Uh, so Eldrazi Tron is the Tron land plus the colorless Eldrazi yep. from uh, Battle for Zendikar and Oath of uh, the Gatewatch. Oath of the Gatewatch. Yeah, those guys. Yep. Um, and then Sun and Moon, which is just red white prison. Yeah, it's not really a deck anymore, but yeah. it was, and it was, Cameron really liked it, so I figured I'd yeah. give him a shout out. It here. was uh, Blood Moons, which make their lands not tap for the right color of mana anymore. Yep. Chalice of the Void, so they can't cast stuff. A bunch of rafts. A bunch of rafts, and then you won with Nihiri and Emrakul. Yep. Uh, or Elspeth. Or Elspeth. Yep. So these are, it was fun times. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff and it's yeah. hard to pick what deck you would want to play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's also hard to just like drop $1,200 to, it absolutely to play is. a card game. So how can people kind of get started? Um, ideally, the best thing to do to try the format out is to borrow a deck. Um a lot of modern players have more than one deck. Um, most players just want somebody to play with. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times they'll let you use a deck, um, especially if it's like a smallish tournament or whatever. And Yeah. So like if there's a Tuesday night modern and, modern and there are seven people and you'd make eight, yeah. someone will have yeah. someone will have a deck for you. Yeah. Uh, so this is... So, like, when you, you know, you get to play and you get to borrow mm-hmm. a deck, right, you're playing the deck, mm-hmm. but you're also kind of scouting what you want to play. Yeah. Right? So, you're like, oh, I don't know if I like this deck, but that deck I just lost to or I just played. Seems sweeter. Yeah, that was a really cool. I'd kind of want to do that. And yeah. then maybe you, like, borrow that yeah. and see if you do actually like it and then start building towards mm-hmm. that eventually. Mm-hmm. So, that is something to um something to uh think about and i think that also a good way to get started is you know if you have kind of the ability to pick a deck as kind Mm -hmm. of like your first deck pick one that like does a thing yeah um this is like the advice that i always give people when they're asking me about getting into modern is i suggest that they pick a very linear deck that has a consistent game plan that doesn't change because eventually you are going to learn what your deck does and you don't have to pay as much attention to it. When that happens, you can pay attention to what your opponents are doing 
And that's when you really get good at the format. Yeah. Because if you can pay attention to what your opponents are doing, you learn like the entire meta. You can kind of decide, like Brian was talking about, what decks you might like to play at that point when you start seeing the bulk of the format. Um, you can also um, like come up with game plans for them. So normally I recommend people get into like Burn or Elves or Merfolk. Like those are great intro decks. They have game against the field. Um, their game plan really doesn't change a whole lot. They're not super expensive to get into. Um, and they will let you learn the format so you can pick kind of like a, a big boy deck to upgrade into at a future point. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to jump in with a control deck where yeah. you have to know based on what your opponent's like first two plays are. Like, oh man, mm-hmm. I'm playing against this. I have three answers in my hand. What is what answer do I use now? Right. Versus what answer do I save for later? Because I know they're going to play a card that I that I need this answer for. Right. And if you just are like, I have no idea what this could possibly be, mm-hmm. then it makes it a lot harder for you to like figure out what answers, how your answers need to line up with their threats. It also makes it hard to figure out how to mulligan. Yeah. You're like, huh? This hand is good against these decks but not these other decks yeah and it's game two maybe i know what this deck's doing maybe i don't yeah so yeah the more complicated like the control decks and the fair decks require you to have a a knowledge of the format yeah and that that takes time to build to be like oh they played amulet of vigor i know exactly what this deck's doing Mm -hmm. and i know how to i know what my deck needs to do to combat it right as opposed to if your opponent plays Amulet Vigor, you're like, cool, my deck goes one drop, two drop, three drop, big spell kill you. Yeah. And it always does that. And that's much easier to, like, you don't have to adjust how you're playing. You right. just go like, oh, I do the same thing, mm-hmm. and I hope it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And a lot of modern decks are powerful enough that that same thing is good enough a lot of times. Yep. Right. So, so just... So that is kind of how modern is broken down. We probably talked a little bit more about specific decks than we plan to, yeah. but but that is how the format is broken down. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, modern's great. It, uh, I guess, another thing we should probably bring up about modern that is really important that kind of goes back to knowing what the deck is is sideboards are really important. Yeah, modern. Um, when I got into modern, I immediately became a better standard player. Almost immediately, because sideboarding is so important in modern. It's a skill that you have to develop in order to do anything in the format. And I'm almost positive that made me a better standard player because of that, because I had to learn how to sideboard. Yeah, so sideboarding is important for, you know, because again, you have this wide array of decks. So you have to have sideboard cards that can cover multiple decks. You have to, uh, and you have to kind of know, like, well, I bring these in against this. This graveyard deck, I bring in these three cards and take out these three other, and take out these three cards. But now, against another graveyard deck, I bring in the same three cards, but I now take out three different cards right. because that deck's 
doing its graveyard thing in a slightly different way, and I need this interaction as opposed to this. Yeah, like uh, the, the big one there is like Leyline of the Void versus Grafdigger's Cage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes Grafdigger's Cage is all you need. Um, sometimes Grafdigger's Cage doesn't do anything. Like if you play Grafdigger's Cage versus Dredge, you're probably in a pretty good spot. If you play Graf Digger's Cage versus Living End, you're, you're in a world spot. of hurt. It doesn't do anything against yeah. that deck. Um, also, Graf Digger's Cage in particular has implications against the Collected Company decks. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you only play Leyland of the Void... Or Rest in Peace. Or Rest in Peace, it doesn't do anything against the Company decks. Um, so the, like, the individual pieces are important. Like Brian said, um, picking you know what to come in and come out can be important and vary greatly between two different decks. And you also, another kind of hallmark of modern is a lot of times the sideboard cards are super impactful. Yeah. They're there for a specific matchup or two. So you're, you know, you know a fair deck and you have a hard time beating Tron. So you play Blood Moon. Yep. And now Blood Moon makes it so they can't ever get Tron. They have to play seven honest-to-God lands yeah. before they can play Karn. Mm-hmm. And that slows them down enough for you to... Get underneath them. Get underneath them and win. Uh, or you're a control deck that has a hard time with Dredge, so you have Rest in Peace, and Rest in Peace, if you resolve it, swings the matchup yeah. super far in your favor. And so there's a lot of kind of silver bullets that kind of answer a very specific deck or, you know, kind of one of the 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 kind of the the pillars the pillars the pillars like you have you have a bad humans matchup but you have uh wrath of god in your sideboard because you can just sweep up all their nerds Mm -hmm. things like that so you have very specific answers that are super impactful and sometimes take matchups from unwinnable to laughable right and it's like oh they drew their sideboard card i just lost it's something that happens in modern relatively frequently a little bit less now but relatively frequently she's like oh i just i just didn't get to play yeah can't can't play this game anymore yeah it's like oh well i'm playing an artifact deck and they have stony silence that says my artifacts don't do anything yep i guess i don't do any my art cool artifact thing anymore so you have to be mindful when you are the linear deck of oh they were white i'm a graveyard deck they have white mana. Yeah. They probably have a rest in peace. I have to make sure I bring in my answer. Yeah. Or you're a linear tribal deck. They play Wrath of God. I have to now play around that yeah. and sculpt my game plan to not get wrecked. Right. So it's it's uh it's a little different than standard. Standards answers usually aren't that heavy handed. Right. Um so that's a reasonable intro into to modern. You got a flavor of some decks. Mm-hmm. We talked a little more than we planned on because you know modern's fun. Modern is fun. Uh, so we touched on this a little bit. We're gonna kind of end up with our end on our kind of our arena grind. Yeah. Um, so we, as we said before, Nexus got banned on Valentine's Day. Yep. A love letter to the world. <laughs> um, Everybody can have fun again. Yeah. So. What I noticed, I only really again played Saturday or Friday and kind of like got my wins. Uh, I played after the ban on uh, Thursday, 
and it looked like business as normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think, probably 30 to 40% mono red. On I think I played like four matches against mono red in that uh, on Thursday. And I was like, oh, okay, this seems this seems normal uh and then uh so it was four out of whatever it was four out of whoop 15 was mono red so Mm -hmm. about what you would expect yeah and then on friday it was two out of 15 was mono red and there just started to be a lot more different archetypes that had not been in best of one before then. Mm-hmm. So there were, uh, I played Judith decks. I played against, um, Drake's. I played against, I kind of have a funny feeling that at the uh, mythic championship this weekend, there's a Judith deck. There's going to be a breakout, breakout Rakdos deck. They're probably will be. I'm like, hoping. You're hoping. <laughs> um, Je- I played against Jeskai Control. I played against Jeskai yeah. Control multiple times after the ban, and yeah. that was a deck that did not exist for three weeks. Right. Um, like, Esper took its place because it has a better game against... Sultai. Well, and Red. Oh, yeah. Right? It just has incidental, yeah. like, gain two life. Kill a yeah. creature, gain two life. It's like, oh, like, eight for one made cool. Um, so it has, like... But, like, there are Jeskai decks floating around now. So the, the format got a little more diverse. Um... If you look at, again, sweet, like, uh, Twitter, uh, there's apparently this whole other world mythic that, like, there are mid-range decks. Uh, that Hopefully I've, I get there one day. That I have yet to uh, yet to find these mythical mid-range decks to play against. So, I haven't been playing a whole lot of best of one. Um, I did play more this week than I have the last couple weeks, but I was playing best of three. And you want to know what I found? It's all mid-range decks? It's all mid-range decks. I played 19 rounds. 12 of them were either Sultai or Esper. Esper mid-range or Esper control? Uh, most of them were mid-range. They okay. were playing uh, Thief of Sanities instead of gotcha. uh, like just no creatures. Yeah. So it seemed like a lot of the people that wanted to play like actual magic. Yeah went to like best of three yeah because like none of those mid-range decks can beat could beat nexus yeah post uh, pre-board so best of one became mono red gets under nexus yeah mono blue counters nexus yeah mono white beats mono blue and we'll have esper in there because it has kind of game against both Mm -hmm. but you can't like just play like two mana two two or two mana one three and to make it a three five and gain some life and then never take another turn like that was that was not an effective strategy so that might get a little more Mm mid-rangey uh just because you don't have like the two far ends like i played against a lot of esper mid-range a lot of like uh bell haunt guys yeah i was like oh i can't ever beat a four power (laughs) a four toughness thing with mono red this is awful um so things are changing yep uh and you'll see like at each level you know gold versus platinum versus diamond versus mythic the decks that get played are different yep 
Uh, so, like, the thing that has stayed constant is, like, mono red is 25 to 35% of the field in kind of all these, in all the different levels. So have a plan against mono red. Have a plan against mono red. Like, playing mono red, like, I'm playing electrostatic field mm-hmm. in my in my uh, deck because it's decent against everything and Runaway Steam can get shocked every time you play it against Mono Red and yeah. then you feel super bad. Uh, it's great if they don't have a way to kill it and you just win the game, but Red always has a way to kill it and that's like was one of every three matches. Yeah, the deck is always to kill it. Yeah, so uh, like that's like you know you're like oh I can't play this card anymore because Mono Red. When I when I started this season, I was like oh. I'm going to play all these cool, fun decks. Mm-hmm. And, like, I played a lot of Growth Chamber Guardians that just got shocked. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. That's such a shame. That card's so cool. I mean, there's a Grill deck that plays it now. Is there? Yeah, there... Uh, I haven't seen that list yet. Was it... Uh, I tweeted it at Cameron from, from the official uh, Casual <laughs> Tripod account. And it plays, like, Zertog Goblin. Oh. And Growth Chamber Guardian, Land of War Elves, uh, Pelt Collectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gruel Spellbreaker, mm-hmm. uh, four Big Burbs, yep. uh, two Skargan Hellkites, a little bit of removal, mm-hmm. and it's just the beats. It's just red-green. It's fast, and I think just a step bigger than Mono Red. You know what I like about Gruel is uh, Cinder Vines. They had... See, so this was, I think, a bit... This was... I think Scott Lip had played it, had tweeted it out that he had, like... One RPTQ with it, yeah, uh, or whatever the heck they're called now, and he had four cinder vines in his board. He was like, yeah. "I won the RPTQ with this, and it has a, a really high arena win rate." So I'm assuming he's playing best of three if he has the four cinder vines in yeah. the board. I think cinder vines is criminally underplayed right now, and is going to be a breakout card at some point. Um, the card is just too good for it to see the zero play that it's been seeing. It's it's this weird like, it's like like a part destructive priority, part like seal of primordium, part like pyrostatic pillar. Yeah, it's just this weird like. Yeah. And I don't know like if it got printed because they thought like oh this is this is a, a way to keep the nexus decks in check because like oh you've mm-hmm. got to cast nexus thirty five times and yeah well, good luck with that good luck with that. Oh, it's probably also to keep the wilderness reclamation decks in check. Yeah, here's a, I have a, I can play this on turn two, yeah. and you you can't ever like stick a wilderness reclamation. Yeah. And I, I guess there's overlap there also, but yeah, but no, it did, I mean people talked about that card like being playable in modern. Yeah, taking like you know, in the burn, taking the destructive reverie slot in burn. Yeah, I don't know if I super agree with that. I don't know but... if I do either, but it was something that at least initially, yeah, with a lot of decks like like having it in play against storm like you have oh, your, yeah. you have your clock maybe you have like you know a what is he called an eidolon yeah. now they have to bounce two things they have to bounce an eidolon and they have to bounce your cinder vines yeah uh or i think uh was it sam black was like this just like is the hard counter to lantern because yeah. they stick it like if you go to kill it they just you have to kill it, and then they pay a mana, and they blow up one of your lock pieces, yeah. and then you get hard two for one. You take three damage, yeah. <laughs> and all the work you did to put together your lock is now like in your graveyard. Right. So it has like reasonable applications in mm-hmm. other formats, 
but it just hasn't found a home and standard because well, I mean, it's gonna be wasn't a deck. It's gonna be great against whatever control deck comes out. Also, mm-hmm. it's a clock that you're gonna stick before they have a chance to counter it, and it's gonna be reasonably difficult to get rid of. I mean, the Esper decks do have Mortify, which is well, right, but they that's still have fine. to take one. It's one for one, and they take one. Well, and not it only that, but creature. Yeah, that they're gonna leave your creature alone because they gotta mortify your cinder vines. Yeah. So no, it's it is it's a way to eat a search for its kanta. Yeah. Which yay. Yeah. So no, all in all I think it's good. Uh yeah. but it's so there are more decks popping up. Yeah. And again, like you can like be on Twitter and like everyone's tweeting their like cool decks from whatever RPTQ and whatever and you can find things. Uh, use your use your wild card judiciously. Yes. Like, so I, I think on my account I have twenty something common wild cards, thirty something uncommon wild cards, zero rare wild cards, and six mythic wild cards. <laughs> we we won't talk about the amount of actual cash I put into the game, <laughs> but I do have like a hundred and ten uh, uncommon wild cards right now. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I still don't have a complete mana base yet. <laughs> I am yet to open or craft a watery grave. Mm. I have all the other shocks. I yeah. have zero watery graves. <laughs> I want to. I want to put together a blue black tempo deck. Yeah. I cannot because cannot. I do not have watery grave. Yeah. So with that, this has been a long time. It has. It has. Went a little over. That's fine. We got. We again. We got sucked into modern talk. Yep. Uh, but that's kind of an intro to the format. Pick something linear. And as you're playing, make sure you're scouting out the next deck you want to build. Yep. Uh, so, and watch the Mythic Championship yep. on this weekend and kind of get a sense of where Standard's going to go. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Get to actually watch coverage. Yeah, that'll be nice. And again, if you can't watch, like, just go find some deck lists and see what's yep. what actually did well. And I'm sure we'll uh, talk about some of the sweet ones next week. Oh, we will. We will. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Yep. And we'll catch you at FNM. Yep. We'll catch you at FNM. <laughs>